Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number 51. 51? Of the Recovery Lab podcast series. I'm Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. We uh, almost said Area 51. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, isn't this, is this the one year? Yes. Okay. So we haven't mentioned everybody sing to themselves, happy birthday. Recovery Lab is one year old today. How about that? Congratulations, it's quite a feat. Lab. I took a yeah. took a beat in my mind because I thought I was going to actually hear people singing, but yeah. the, te- <laughs> the technology didn't work like that. No, it doesn't. it doesn't. All right. Well, we're joined today by Jeff Quick. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Hello. Jeff. Hello, How you doing, man. What's up, brother? We're good, man. So, uh, a little backstory here. I met Jeff at the gym. Uh, you can tell. I mean he he's a big big boy, and I was so moved really by listening to the interesting things that you have to say i thought well even though you're not necessarily in recovery you've got things worth worthy of being discussed that you consider and talk about maybe not the same type of recovery y'all are right no not the same recovery nonetheless what what for me there's a bug right there on your left that's a big one too it is a big one um nice uh, <laughs> I thought the shit out. <laughs> you really did. You really <laughs> learned that one a lesson. All right. So what? What? Um, the the conversations that you and I have had in the gym, uh, some with Drew and some just you and I, um, those were what really made me believe that you are a, a great um, person to talk to on the on the podcast. Because although you're not an alcoholic or an addict, um, your philosophical views and your um ability to um your ability for compassion and love for other people really really blew me away when we had those conversations so um it 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 was just a you know we we love cut and dry gym and we love to to um you know support people that that uh that frequent the gym um because we love them and it just so happens that this is a this is a beautiful beautiful opportunity for you to come and and join us and and um, share some of that that wisdom with you that that you and I talked with and and like awesome. we said uh, this morning you know this is nothing more than <clears throat> a conversation sure. similar to what we had in the gym um, it just so happens we have you know a few pieces of equipment that that are recording this that's right um, so welcome and thank you so much for being here I feel the welcome for sure and thank you for inviting me. And this is your first. This is your first podcast experience, so, right? I, I, I remembered there was one other a couple of years ago, some guy that randomly invited me on his podcast. It was a leadership based, okay. you know, theme, and and he uh, he was doing a small businessman's sure little ah sect yeah, on his on his deal. So I, we got hooked up on Facebook somehow and. Cool. It was like twenty minutes, and the audio was horrible. And 
Yeah, people. By contrast, our audio is top notch. <laughs> this is people will forgive uh, poor video. They will not forgive poor audio. So we've we've done what we had to do in order to get that audio up to a a level that's appropriate. And uh, well, look, I've kind of got some of, questions for you. Yeah. So here we go. From listening to you, I mean, you you speak about topics like leadership, and you have general philosophies of life, and for achievement and overcoming and keeping a, a proper mindset. What puts you on the the knowledge train here? Desperation. Oh, well, we can certainly relate yeah, we to can, that. Yeah, talk, yeah. To, talk a little bit about that. Um, That's a good question, Drew. <clears throat> 2000, early 2009, um, I was working in the oil field working on drilling rigs in Texas and I was a driller and so you were did you did the did you wrap the chain around the stuff and the, pull the thing up and I do all I've that I've done all of that but at the time that was not my job yeah I was the guy responsible for that guy okay um we didn't do that on that particular rig that's old technology that this had all surpassed um so anyway I'm drilling on this on this rig. Long story short here, I got there was some differences of opinion between me and my crew, which led to differences of opinion between me and my bosses. And so they decided that they were going to teach me a lesson. And uh, they bumped me back um, from a driller's position all the way down to the bottom at a floor hands position. I lost over $8 an hour. And my, any ambition that I had of being a, a career guy for the company was gone at that point. Um, I was well over a year into, um, my renewed walk with God and um, growing my faith. And so I just started looking. I, I was immediately convicted that I didn't need to be in the oil field anymore. Um, I had six kids at home that I was responsible for. Um, that... I, that put me in such a financial bind that it's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, that would put anyone that, in a financial. I mean, there's a whole conversation just wrapped around that. Yeah, right yeah. So, just for quick math, eight dollars an hour on a forty hour work week is sixteen thousand dollars a year. So that's that's not nothing. That's and, not nothing. Yeah. And I worked um, fourteen and fourteen at the time. And averaged 87 hours a week. Yeah. Wow. So 47 hours, time and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So $12 that, that's an hour. A, that's a $50,000 a year hit. Yeah. So. Um, if not more. I did that for five months. And and I they gave, they, they bumped me back with the idea that I would be giving my position back um 
It was so not, this was just like a like you need to remember where you came from type of thing. Yep. I didn't agree with the reasoning. Did they give you a time frame on on that? No. Or it's just they they told me when it happened that there was a new there was another rig coming out um and I would be given a driller's position on that rig. There was at the time there was no time frame. Right. It, it, it's coming this year, you know. The understanding was, you know, it may be a month, it may be a year. It took right. five months. So I started trying to figure out how to get out of the oil field. Um, started trying to come home, looking for jobs around here. Nothing that could support a family of eight. Uh, so, I mean, I couldn't just quit. Felt stuck a little bit. I was for sure stuck. So I started trying to figure out, you know, what could make me a living that could support my family and I wouldn't have to be gone. I could get out of the oil field. Um, I started looking at real estate in different ways. Um, and then at the end of right, actually right the month before I got my drilling position back, I got introduced to network marketing for the first time. And, um, I, dove in head first and well what what exactly not, not only just for our listeners but for me too what's network marketing yeah wow um i guess the most common thing that people call it is the you know the pyramid scheme okay right you you get people that get people that right right and you multi-level marketing multi-level marketing gotcha yes okay Selling Amway. Selling Amway, not <laughs> okay. Amway. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and so part of the thing was reading and listening and learning how to um, help others by helping yourself, right? That was kind of the the, the program within the program. And um, a lot of... The whole idea um, was personal development. Um, it it took me probably about a almost a year of being in the culture before I got the learning bug. Um, I would listen to the material some, and and it it wasn't just how to grow your business; it was how to grow yourself, and. Um, that was really the the underlying thing there. And as a result of growing yourself, you will be become somebody who can grow this business, right? And so that that got me started reading and listening and um I guess I I got into that mid 2010 is whenever I really started reading and listening quite a bit and um man Thousands and thousands of audios that I've listened to on um, leadership skills and communication skills and um, personality traits and what is mine and what is yours. And, you know, because of that, what is the dynamic, right? If um, y'all are different personality types and if I've got an idea that I want to convey to you, 
because of my personality type, there's ways that I would speak to you differently um, so that I could get my... Increase the likelihood that the person either bought into the product or... Maximum impact. Yeah, maximum. But within the confines of the program, yes, but just in general life, right? Maximize your ability to To, make connections. To influence, right? Yeah. Be somebody who is um, capable of influencing and that can expand their circle of influence. Um, yep, thousands and thousands of audios. Um, I've read over a hundred books, and just all on you know leadership and and personal development and and all of that kind of stuff. So, if somebody said, "Give me your top few books on leadership," what are your go tos? Um, just basic leadership principles, um, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends, Influence, Influence People, people. Um, Dr. David Schwartz, uh, The Magic of Thinking Big, um, Florence Littower's Personality Plus. Um, never can say his last name. His first name is Jeff. He, he wrote a book called... Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. It'll come to you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That one's losing me right now. Um, Did you have success in the program? Not initially, and ultimately, no. I I did there for a little while. Um, I had some some minor success. Um, Ultimately, um, I decided to to kind of get out of that. There was a, a guy here local that was starting a new business and, um, he invited me to come and be involved in that and, um, help him get his business launched. And we had discussed the, the potential of me being involved in a greater, greater level and, you know, business involvement there more than just, I, w- I would like to, and we'll get right back to this, but I would like to, for um, for alcoholics and addicts and people in general, uh, a lot of times when things don't work out, uh, we can kind of beat up on ourselves and sure. uh, not take advantage of the opportunity to learn a, a lesson or series of lessons. So my question to you is, as a result of being involved in this this network marketing and not having the the success that you wanted, what lessons did you learn from, from that not meeting your ultimate goal and how were you able to use said lessons to be able to make yourself a, a, a more well-rounded uh, person now and today that's capable of achieving, even though, even in the face of adversity and not uh, being able to push through the, the difficult failures of life in order to achieve your ultimate goal. So initially, my goal in getting involved there was that I could not need the oil field Mm -hmm. to financially support myself due to ultimately be, you know, financially independent and um, not necessarily live a millionaire's lifestyle, but, you know. Be comfortable. Be comfortable. Um, Because of... What I learned there, um, 
the the people skills, the leadership skills, um, business principles. I was not only when I did get my drilling job back, um, I was able to get another promotion after that as well. Um, I ended up, I, I worked in the oil field for 10 years. The last couple of years, I was a rig manager there. Um, there would, there would been no way for me to do that job effectively without, um, the personal development skills, leadership skills, communication skills that I learned through that personal development program that that network marketing taught me. That that particular, there's lots of network marketing out there, lots of different companies. Their, their main goal was first to improve yourself. And then as a byproduct of self-improvement, you will have an ability to grow a business. Uh, so that was first and foremost. Um, so I had those skills. I got that promotion. I did that job effectively. Um, it was still just a brother-in-law program, man. It, it was corporate, and yeah. and even though it was you know blue-collar work, it was still a corporate structure, and um, I just didn't thrive there. Right at the end of the day. I did my job. I did it well. Um, I didn't feel good about who I saw in the mirror at, because of I felt like I was compromising my own principles by upholding the company principles, and they were constantly being compromised. Just that's a tough position to be in, and I didn't like it. Um, so again. Back to what I learned from being involved in that business, I was able to take that and go into a consulting position with another company, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, it allowed me to be home more instead of being gone 200-plus days a year. Right. I still worked out of town, but instead of a set schedule, I worked event-based where, you know, it'd be I might be gone – 10 days, I might be gone three weeks, you know, six weeks, but then I might be home for 10 days or three weeks or six weeks at a time. And so I was only working about 100 and, 150 days a year, 130, 150 days a year doing that. And I was home for longer stretches of time. And um, the one of my kids had to, Daddy, do you still have a job? Why are you going so much? <laughs> uh, through all of that, you know, years passed. My kids got older. They went to college and moved on. Um, we had a blended family. My wife had three kids. I had three kids. And um, there, my kids got older, and they decided they wanted to go try life with their mama. So they, they went and, and moved off with her. Uh, the older kids, we ended up having another one. Um, ours together, we had seven kids in the house for a year and a half before the oldest went to college. Um, Jeez. <laughs> <clears throat> I can't, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. I mean, the, the, the patience that that takes, it's just, I don't have it. Not patience, structure. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the discipline to create and stick to a structure. Yeah. That was the only thing that yeah. brought us through any of that. Yeah. Me and my wife. <laughs> yeah. Structure. That's rough. I will never complain about having a single child. I promise you that. He has a remarkably likable, calm, good son. <laughs> I know. He's nothing like his mom and I were when we were his age. I mean, we were, I was throwing bats and the, and breaking car windows because I was throwing, a, having a temper tantrum. I mean, I just was just a toxic little something, man. What were, were you good at, as a kid or were you a little hell? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, structure. Structure is important, huh? Structure. Yeah. Yes. Patience it, that, that did come along there, but it was. Yeah. It's so interesting to me how people that aren't like everything that I learn is generally a result of, I mean, the first thing that I apply to it is how will this help me in my recovery? And I've learned that, you know, there's kind of, there's various sets of wisdom and, you know, there's, there's the wisdom that tells me, Hey, look, you know, don't, don't do meth. Don't do don't do heroin. You know, and then there's wisdom that helps me, uh, kind of work through why I wanted to do meth or heroin in the first place. And then there's general, just you know, improving my life all the way around. And it's so interesting to me to 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 learn how a person that's not overcoming a you know a substance abuse how they get on these kind of philosophical bends and how they want, you know, cause everybody really does want to improve their life yeah, and live according to their morals and, and standards. So coming back around to answering your question. So what did I get from that? Ultimately I didn't get my goal, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not exactly true. My goal when I went into it was to get out of the oil field where I could be home. It took a long time. It was January, so I quit the oil field in December of 13, quit quit rig work. Uh, I did consultant work for two more years in January. I came home from my last um, out-of-town gig um, right at New Year's, and I had done some construction work. Um, I, I made a lot of money. I got debt free. And um, I my kids, my kids went to live with their mom. Um, the other ones were grown. We had one still in, in high school and the little one. And so my wife and I decided that it would, because I had this new one coming along and I'm missing all the same stuff that I missed with the first one, first ones all over again. Right. All these firsts. And, and I, it was killing me I doing it again. And, um, I didn't want another one of my kids growing up that normal life is just, dad's not around most right. of the time. And, um, 
So I quit that consultant work. I started doing construction work. I took literally a $100,000 pay cut. And I came home and started doing construction at the bottom. (laughs) You know, not for myself, you know, working for a builder. And um, I did that for a couple years. And then that's my, my buddy come and invited me to come on his business. And I was still involved with the network marketing. Um, and whenever he invited me to come there is when I officially kind of took a back, made that kind of a backseat and that I wanted to, to really give this guy a hundred percent of my ability and effort to help grow his business and ultimately maybe be a part of it. So, um, and that didn't go quite as planned, but now I have my own business. When did, when did you start this business that you have now? Um, technically my business was started in December of 19. Okay. Technically. And y'all do tell, tell everyone exactly what y'all do. Uh, my company is down to earth dirt work. Um, I'm a primarily residential excavation, um, focusing mostly on driveway, uh, insulation repair, um, parking lots. Uh, We do larger scale stuff as well, but that's bread and butter is small residential straight for the customer. Um, some, some commercial, but yeah, commercial, but I don't, I don't, I hate commercial. They expect a, a, a much, much cheaper price, and I, I prefer to be able to make the maximum amount of money and, and get paid to do the best possible job. And it, in my line of work with commercial, that's it's, it's difficult to do. It's easier to, to satisfy when it's straight for the customer, 100%. when there's not, not another middle guy there. I also have um, another company. I've got a partner. Um, we've got a company called Waterfront Solutions. We do... Um, seawalls around the reservoir okay and the higher end lake communities madison and everything um and he has a he's a licensed contractor he's got a company and so him and i install um he does high-end renovations and stuff on his stuff um david graves is his name bella construction um, but we do um commercial playground equipment installation okay. schools and cool municipalities city parks and Stuff like that. Apartment Spend complexes. a great deal of time at the Flowwood one. Yeah. Yeah. Say I wanted to, uh, maybe not in this house, but our next house, um, dig a pretty substantial koi pond. Is that something that? Yeah, I could probably help you with that. Yeah? Okay. Maybe. Yeah. It's going to be It's going to be something. Substantial. It's going to be substantial. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's going to be great. Are you thinking of? Add it re rehaving a yeah. koi pond. Yeah, I really am. Yeah, we had a it was about a four thousand gallon that I dug by hand, and it it wasn't deep enough. And there's a the uh, restaurant McLean's restaurant right there off Hollybush, so the the herrings fly over our pond to land into that pond, and I had uh, I I put over three hundred koi in this pond 
and those herons just they saw those pretty colors and just ate every single last one of them every sing- Sorry, I put suckers I put oh man I hated them I put um uh leaf guard all the way around it and tied it tight with uh fishing line and I was at work but Marge sent me a video of this damn thing getting down on its like creeping down and getting underneath the net and eating the fish that way. So, I mean, and it turned out to just just be a, a like a snake pit. I mean, there were moccasins all over. It was just, it was a terrible, terrible ad. And the, the runoff from the pond above us at McLean, there was like that iron moisture that would seep underneath. It was, but it, it gave me the, I really, really, there was something beautiful about being able to build like a deck all the way around it and be able to go out there and feed the fish when I did have fish. And it was really, really, it was really peaceful and exciting. Zen. Yeah, it really, really was. So I'd love to, maybe in our next house, we'll reach back I, out to I think I that. still hadn't answered your original question. We'll get to it. Um, ultimately, I had to focus on what my, what the goal was. Mm-hmm. And stay focused on that goal. And stay focused on that goal. There was other goals that came about other ideas. Oh, I could do this and I could do that. And, oh, here's a new goal. Here's a new dream. And ultimately, um, the whole point in the beginning was that I could come home and I could sleep in my bed every night and that my kid, my my youngest, would not grow up knowing what it's like for daddy to be gone most of the time. Right. And that and that's ultimately what I have today. Yeah. Um, by completely unorthodox from the beginning right what i have doesn't look like anything that what i started with um so i think to specifically answer your question i think the best way is to be very realistic about where you want to be and and what your goals are what is the whole point of in in your particular case of the recovery why do I want to be sober? Yeah. To, to, to share what I've been given so freely. And I mean, regarding goals, I have some, um, very unrealistic goals. Um, very, very, very unrealistic. Um, Go with lofty loft. I love unrealistic though, because you hit them there with the, but I'm going to achieve every single one of those. It's just a matter of time. Uh, hard work, dedication, be kind to people, treat people the way you want to be treated work hard, work hard, work hard, and I'll achieve every single one of those goals. But I, you know, there's, there's, it, it, there's a certain, um, character development that has to, has to happen in order to be able to process, um, negative situations and, and speed bumps, um, and, and be able to process those as opportunities for growth instead of getting, slotted into this whole victim mentality of oh this this happened to me again and i just can't catch a break and blah 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 blah, blah. No, no 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 you you can catch a break you just need to keep keep moving forward and, and try to process these adverse situations as opportunities for growth instead of getting in that victim victim mentality so it sounds like you are able to walk through that adversity and keep your eye on the goal um, and, and begin to, to really process those difficult situations as this is just part of the journey and, and I'm going to, 
I'm going to learn what I can from it and keep moving forward and use my past to be able to help me in the future to be able to handle situations. Is that Does that I, sound accurate? I think most people, they get really hung up on whatever is in your current circumstances that are less favorable. And we get hung up on this idea of that it's negative and that it's a setback and that I don't have any control and it's it's not what I want. Well, most days are not what you want if all you want is a circumstance that's favorable to you. Right. Most of my days are never like that. <laughs> exactly. So <clears throat> so what are you what are you focused on? You're not being realistic about what the goal is. Because if your goal is to have favorable An easy situations life. every day that I wake up, well then you're kidding yourself. Right. And you're not being realistic. And you'll get bored. You'll get bored. And and, and it's it's you have to have difficult in order to be able to appreciate the good. And it's not even difficult. It's 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 just a, a circumstance. It's not that it's difficult. You've got a choice to make. Not every choice that you get to make is as easy as another one. Right. But there is an easier choice that you can make in that circumstance. You don't always get to pick what is the easiest choice to make. Right. Um well, you can't be so myopic. You know, you've got to be a little more broad. You got to have a broader field of vision and a longer range goal because you're absolutely right. If all you're looking for day in and day out are favorable circumstances, you truly are setting yourself up for disappointment and you're being selfish. And yeah. you are. And that's that's the issue, that's the problem with drugs and alcohol of folks in active addiction is we are we we um we are seeking comfort we are seeking to feel okay that's why we do drugs and alcohol is to feel okay because drugs and alcohol fix the problem deep inside they fill that hole for for a short time until they stop filling that hole and then you can't stop and your life becomes a train wreck it's out of control. So, well, I think a, a little bit of what you're talking about is is along the lines of feeling rewarded in life. What do you do to satisfy? You can frame it in terms of your Christian faith. Your, you know, what do you feel led to do? But what do you find fulfillment in? Can you ask that a little bit more specifically? Sure. What do you do so that Jeff likes the person that he is? Huh. Uber honesty, man, with myself. I just very, very raw and very real and transparent honesty. I like that. I, 
sometimes it's hard to communicate that honesty with with the world. Um, the world does not always need to agree with what I think. I don't. I don't need agreeance. Um, but but part of that is. Being real right with it, with that right there, because sometimes you do you you can't just live your life in a bubble, and everybody else can go jump in the lake, because you're not going to be able to fulfill the best version of yourself if you keep yourself isolated in a bubble. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way that that's going to happen. No man is an island. Mm-hmm. We, you know, what I particularly believe in the Bible and. Man was created first and alone, and that was the first time that God said it's not good. Man needed a partner, needed a mate, needed a helper. And so he created woman from us. And so the best version of yourself is you partnering with somebody. You doing something with somebody else. You... And and not just with somebody else, but for somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to be the best that it could be, unless you're doing it with or for somebody. And that's science. We we are hardwired for that connection. That there's no way that it works without community. Mm-hmm. So my my fulfillment comes from. Being, being true to myself about my intentions and my purposes. That's going to be a clip that we're going to put on TikTok, I do believe. That's good, man. That's real good. What you got, Drew? It's just, again, I'm, I'm fascinated by how people are led or drawn to personal improvement that aren't in recovery from substance abuse problems. Yeah. So, so full transparency here. Sure. I, I don't have. You've been getting drugs. high. <laughs> <laughs> I shot up heroin in the car before I came in here, boys. You got some of that yak out there, don't you? <laughs> uh, I've never been a, a marijuana usage, very recreationally. Um, Whenever I was young was the only time that that was consistent. The closest thing to any hard that I've ever done was uh, a joint laced with cocaine one time. That's the closest. Oh, you're going uh, to hell. You are going to hell. That's And it was once. <laughs> and I knew about it beforehand. They they told me. They, they didn't get me. Um I, I probably borderline alcoholic in my twenties. Whenever I was going through uh, separation and divorce with my ex-wife, um, drank a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, but the real addiction that I had, um, that was that was a real problem. That 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 there wasn't enough of. Like I, there could not be enough, and that was attention from women. Mm-hmm. 
like I used to go out of way out of my way to find attention from strange women that I didn't know and would never know again. Um, it, and, and usually it was never sex. It was just their attention. Hmm. Um, most of the time it was never sex. Have you ever, with the help of a therapist or just self, um, reflection, reflection, identified, um, what the, the root cause of that need for that, that topical or, uh, that affection for lack of a better term. So where did that stem from? Because it stemmed from somewhere. It, um, believe it or not, I was a runt whenever I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was 13, I was five foot two. And whenever I was 15, I was six foot two. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I was, was kind of a weird kid. I was, I liked things in order and, um. How was your relationship with your mother? Good. It was, relationship with my dad was better, mm -hmm. but my relationship with, with mama wasn't bad. We had a, you know, stable, stable childhood. Um, no typical parenting issues that normally sure. would, would cause that. It, most of it was, was I got picked on and bullied a lot whenever I was little and growing up. And then um, I went to school here at Richland. We, it was a small school back then. My graduating class was 67 kids. There was like 20-something of us that were 12 years at Richland. Um, everybody knew everybody. I didn't, didn't have a lot of girlfriends at the school. Most of the girls that I dated in high school all went to other schools because they didn't know that I was a weird kid whenever I was little. Where, you know? When you say weird, just... Real quick, what what is that? What does weird look like to you? Because I was really weird, and I just want to I want I want to compare what my weird is compared to your weird. So I was quick to emotion. Okay. Whenever I was little, reactive, highly reactive. Um, or no, just not highly reactive, just highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. You know, pain. Obviously, I would cry, but it was it, there was more mm -hmm. than, deeper than that than normal. Yeah, I, I use that word again. Um, nobody else was crying like I cried. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was the only one. Was this, was this crying as a result of not feeling adequate or not feeling, not feeling as though you're good enough to be loved? And, and, and then where, where was that? I'm curious where that stemmed from the, the crying specifically. Um, I felt like that that was the only emotion that was appropriate for me to show. Because I was small, I was weaker. I mean, I, what, I'm, I'm going to get mad, right, and then get beat up even more. Um, so it was kind of a defense mechanism, I think. Nobody, so if you cried, they wouldn't? They would leave me leave alone. alone. Have That's mercy. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah, they would stop. Um. Whenever that, so it's a coping mechanism. Sure, yeah, I, not not coping as much as just defensive. Sure, yeah. Um, 
And then when you popped up to six two, did you experience a shift in in not so obviously I'm not getting picked on anymore. Right. Right. I'm a sophomore sophomore junior. And I wasn't big. I was just tall. Sure. You know, I was six two, hundred and fifty five pounds. So that's a that's a far cry from five two. It is. It is. Um and I really thought you meant nobody's picking on me now. Like, <laughs> I, I I think we can be very certain of that. <laughs> um, so, so high school growth spurt, all of that kind of went away. And and I had friends. I had you know groups that I hung out with. I had um, buddies, and um, so it it wasn't like that. I didn't have. I was an athlete. Uh, did you excel? Quarter, in- yeah, I, mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, quarterback in high school, um, we weren't that good. We we didn't win a lot of games, but you know, I, but you experienced I was, leadership on the field. I was a I was a good I was a good athlete. Yeah. Um, my senior year, I had close to as many rushing touchdowns as the starting tailback did as the quarterback. Sweet. So couldn't throw the ball real well, um, but I could run. I was pretty quick. I was agile. Um, you get us inside the five yard line, and you make it I'm, happen. I'm, I'm getting in the end zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I had that determination there, and so, um, so that I, you know, I had that going for me. Um, but that female attention, as I kind of as I got out of high school and kind of got out into the world. Because they didn't know who I was. Right. Right. Um, that was pretty different for me. And whenever I started getting that, it was it was a drug, man. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it satisfied something in me that I didn't even know needed to be satisfied. Right. Um, so I went, I went years, um, years and years. Just that, that was, that was what I was chasing, you know, that, that attention. And again, um, most of the time it was, it was never sexual. It, it never ended in sex. Um, but it was, you know, just that attention, that flirtation and, um, knowing that if I, if, if I put the time and energy there that it could, it could be if I wanted it to be. Right. So. Did you, did you find that once, once a a woman would show some interest in you, would, um, would her attention begin to diminish? Was it, was it more about the chase? Yeah. Was it more about the chase or, or once you quote unquote landed a chick, were, were you continuously satisfied with the, the, the level that you were with, or were you constantly pushing for more, or or, or were you just at, at peace with, with having so, a lot of friend girls? So I got married early, uh, 18. Oh. And so I was married during this whole time. Mm-mm. Yeah. No 18-year-old man. man should be married. Mm-mm. Agreed. There's not too many 18-year-old men out there. No 18-year-old. <laughs> That's right. No 18-year-old. That's right. Eighteen-year-old males, yeah. yeah, yeah, just don't do it. Yeah, hey, but that experience so, taught you something. So that was why. So to answer your question, there was like I was never just like 
I wouldn't just drop them cold and then wondering what happened. Right. I, I was never, you know, a dick. You were a nice guy. I was a nice guy. You were just, you needed that attention. Yeah. You loved that attention. Loved it. Craved it. Didn't need it necessarily, but you loved it. Yeah. Um, So, there was, I was not, it would have been inconvenient to try to pursue relationships Mm -hmm. (laughs) outside of my marriage. I never did pursue relationships. Um, Could have. A couple times there was small short flings that would last longer than normal um but that was that was the exception not the rule uh, this was with your first wife yes was she also 18 she was 19 she was yeah. 19 so yeah. okay yeah so okay so how long were y'all how long were y'all together all together it's all together. How long were you married? Uh, we were together. We were married and and cohabitating, living together for seven and a half years. Okay. It took a couple more years after that to get the divorce finalized. Sure. Very, very ugly, very drawn out. Um. But, yeah, so eight years, eight-year relationship, close to it. So, have you experienced a, a shift in that um, that need for female attention? Have you kind of settled into the man that you are today, and you, you realize that maybe that's not that's not something that you absolutely need, but you can appreciate and love that attention from from your wife? Or what is it like today? Yeah, uh, what's I don't, the contrast there? I I don't need that. Let me back up and say, I still need that fulfillment mm-hmm. um but because of my particular drug of choice uh i'm able to you know um satisfy that within the marriage mm-hmm. right um so there's there's always this definite not a marriage podcast, but there's always challenges and everything. And, uh, we've been, um, January, December this year, we'll be married 16 years. Wow. So, you know, good years, bad years, ebbs and flows. Um, right now we're, we're, we're probably in the, the best year of our marriage so far. I would say, in my particular opinion, um, way, way more good weeks than bad weeks. Um, most of the time we have like bad half days. Sure. <laughs> Where used to it was, you know, bad days and weeks. And, right, right. You know, that would get strung out into months and then, right, a whole bad year. Uh, but yeah. Um, That I, that thing that we look to fulfill, that voided space that anybody who is who has experienced, you know, an insatiable addiction to something, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, substances or, you know, um, adventure junkies, right? It doesn't matter. There's there's a void somewhere, there's a hole, 
and and we're looking to fill that. And I don't think we ever get away from the need to fill that space. We have to find productive, and sometimes we have to be creative and legal, healthy means of filling that space. I agree. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yep. And I think maybe that's what I was getting towards with the the, the feeling fulfilled thing. Because that's something I've really been focusing on this go-round of my sobriety. We ain't got a shit ton of time left, but I am curious. We can take however much y'all need. What uh, does your – I've met your wife a couple times. Mm-hmm. Never spoken to her beyond, you know, hey, how customary you? pleasantries. Does she enjoy the – the learning that you do, the self-reflection, insightful analysis, behavior, contemplation that you do? I believe she does. She In tenderer moments, she, she confesses appreciation for the fact that I've done those things. Um, so, yeah, I, I believe so, yes. Well, that ought to make it easier to to get it to get through things again it it comes back to me being super realistic to what my goal is and and do i do the things that i do because of the reaction that i may or may not get from my wife Eh, you know I, if if you're living in a healthy companionship if if you've got a healthy partnership with anybody you do things certain things because it's gonna be favorable with your with your partner with your spouse sure right? every relationship takes sacrifices but I, I think and and we have experienced this I think that um whenever there's an unrealistic expectation of you know, uh, to make it contractual, right? Like I've got deliverable obligations. Um, I, that's not healthy. Right. And, and I think both of us have, have drawn the lines over the years about what, what it's okay to expect from one another. Um, I think the problem is it comes up and and leads to us looking in un- unhealthy ways for uh, satisfaction is um, we we don't for one we're not realistic with ourselves about our intentions um, our purposes for doing certain things um, two we allow ourselves to be manipulated into doing things that we really don't want to do. Uh, and then there's this animosity that builds because of that. And so in, in the back of our heads, we're, we're doing these things and we're getting frustrated and aggravating, aggravated with our, with our spouse, because it's not, we're not getting the feedback that we think we're doing. We should get because, and we're sitting there doing all of this stuff and, 
and I don't even want to be doing it. And I'm doing it anyway. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Feeling unappreciated. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just being. Like, I'm the only one rowing this boat. Yeah. Just being realistic right. about what you want to do, what you don't want to do, and and what. Like, I, I do things for my wife because I want to do them, not because she expects me to. Right. Because there's some things she expects me to do, and I don't, I don't do because I don't want to do it. Right. And we have that conversation <laughs> and vice versa. Right. You know? So. 100%. I ain't taking that garbage out. <laughs> that garbage will sit there all hey, week. That's what's great about having a 15-year-old. Riley, will you please get that trash? Yes. Riley, will you please mow the yard? Yes. <laughs> it's oh man, it's so great. It's so great. Um we all right, we are we are right at right I see the timer over there. Yeah, We're we are right, right on at the dot. Time. Jeff, um thank you so much for coming and talking with us and spending some time with us and, and being willing along. to share. Right, exactly. Um hopefully something that we we uh, talked about today can be helpful to somebody out there. And, I know it will. Um be realistic. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Think absolutely. We always love to um, for our guests try to help them out, out bleh, help them out as much as possible. Um, if somebody's needing some dirt work done, how do they get in touch with you? And what's the name of the company? One more time. Down to Earth Dirt Work. Okay. Uh, Facebook is the best way. I've got a uh, Down to Earth Dirt Work Facebook page mm-hmm. dedicated to that before and afters for everything that I do. Um. Going into my fifth year of business, awesome. Um, we we can do big stuff, little stuff. If I can't get it done, I know people who can. Um, so driveways, um, clearings, just work with another guy building my first pond last month. Now you're talking my language. Yeah. Woo. So uh, so yeah, Facebook. Um, check us out there, drop a follow and a like comment on anything that you see, reach out on messenger. hundred percent. Thank you so much, brother. Brother. Thank you. Thanks Jeff for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in and, uh, hanging out with us for the hour. And, uh, we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much.